That was the news. This is The Breakfast Show, and this is all on Faith FM Australia, where Lawson and Blake talk about the wild things that are happening around the world, as well as dive into the 20 Million Movement Bible study uh, that is happening all around the world, really, and people are involved in it. In fact, I was actually just uh, this just this weekend, I was in a room with about 50 Australians and Finns and Estonians and Baltic states and Bulgarians as well, too. And we did this 50 million movement Bible study. Uh, thank goodness it was in English because I would have failed uh, if it was in Finnish. But we had this Bible study and we did it all together at church and it was wonderful. Had such a brilliant time uh, doing that together. And we did that up uh, over the weekend in a little place called Mikali which is about three and a half hours north of Helsinki. So Lawson, before we dive into the Bible study and get into what's happening, I need some quiz clues. And I'm here to give them to you. I'm, I'm ready to go. i am got them down. Here we go. Who am I for 200 points? I am the first person whom God commanded to perform circumcision, a.k.a. one of the most unfortunate men. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer to that one. And if you do, you can go into the draw to win our amazing prizes for this book. Uh, this week, we have the books simply put, uh, going through what are 28 fundamentals of the Bible, clear pillars of of doctrine and essentially biblical belief on all kinds of questions, death, salvation, the nature of life, the nature of God, all of these kinds of things. And then furthermore, we have the book Letters from a Skeptic as well, which is a fantastic book, father and son going back and forth, sending each other letters as to why it is the son has come to belief. To, to belief and to believe in in God. So if you want those, 0491-064-669. And again, that question, that clue, sorry. I am the first person whom God commanded to perform circumcision. Hmm. Well, on that note, I believe, Brayden, you have gotten the answer correct right here on Faith FM. I also want to say that we got a text message in here that says, the Church of England, what a joke. And for people saying it is about time the church caught up with the times, do they even attend church? And will they now attend that they have supposedly caught up? I doubt it. Church mm. is supposed to be a light in this dark world of degradation due to sin. Mm. Strong words, but I can't say I disagree with them. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's, it's very unfortunate to see essentially an entire organization, an entire Christian organization bowing down to the mandates of wokeism that's mm. and and choosing to follow the 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 rhetoric of the woke community instead of the scriptures that have been given for thousands of years it's mm. very very sad very unfortunate we got another text message on the same topic church of england decision on acceptance of same-sex marriage and clergy shame in them that is what happens to a church that turns their backs on God, the Bible, and the Ten Commandments. The ancient gods have returned because the Holy Spirit has left them. Mm -hmm. I pray for the congregation among them that are still faithful 
and let them remember that God's church is where two or three are gathered in my name. The Church of England is not the first, nor will it be the last. Sad face emoji, prayer hands, and a little angry devil face as well, too. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so interesting because there is this call from the LGBT of like we need to be accepting and and then that that's ha- that's now being put in our churches and and by accepting I don't mean that we don't allow same sex people in the door and this is something we've talked about a bunch on Faith FM it's you know we we always clarify our position and it's essentially that God loves everyone everyone struggles with sin and we are called all of us to submit to God and let him work in our hearts, our minds, and our lives, no matter what he calls. And it's clear from the Bible that he calls us to overcome such things as sexual sin, which includes homosexuality. That's that's our basic understanding. That is our basic philosophy. That being said, everyone is struggling with sin, and that doesn't exclude them from coming to church. Now, at the same time... I, like, I just like what you said. Hold on. Before you keep going in there, and don't forget your thought there, Lawson, but I like what you just said about sexual sin, which includes mm-hmm. same-sex marriage. Like We want to be very, very careful to not just say, like, oh, look at these people, and they're doing this thing, and they're so terrible. Hold on a second. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. For Absolutely. all have sinned. And so don't just stand up there on your tall horse and look down on those people who are different and going, ha, 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 like you're so terrible and so bad because of this one thing. No, 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 no. If you have even looked at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery with her in your heart, according to Jesus' own words. And so we just need to remember, like, hold on a second. That sexual sin is pervasive throughout our society, and it's far more than same-sex marriage, but that is a part of it that is included in all of the 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 full spectrum and gamut of sexual uh, sin. That's right, but it's unfortunate, and 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 it's like yes, while we allow you know anyone can come, anyone can come and participate when you decide to be a follower and a servant of Christ, the expectation is that you would denounce clear sin publicly. That's that's the call that you have because you are to represent Jesus, one who does not sin. And now the point of this bill, this changes that happen is particularly in the clergy that they're allowed, you know, same sex pastors and same sex priests, which is just as I said, it's the death of den- denomination, just as much as. If you have a denomination that's filled with proud pastors, if you have a denomination that's filled with pastors who, you know, do that, this or do that, who essentially practice sin, uh, who openly practice sin and accept sin, it didn't. It doesn't matter what sin, dude. If there was a pastor out there who was like, guys, we now allow child sacrifice. You know, that's where the child sacrifice church, which is kind of like the satanic temple we were talking about recently. Um, but yeah, where the, well, where the child sacrifice church, that's us. Uh, that church would die. Like that church in, in our day and age, it would die. And not in our day and age, but pretty much in, in any day and age, if a Christian church proclaims to be a child sacrifice church, it will, it will die because it's essentially disassociated itself with the beliefs that it stands for. And it's the exact same thing with these same sex churches. Yeah. Because they're essentially putting 
I said the word before, like the zeitgeist of modern pop culture above scriptures. Like that's what's actually happening. And let's say even if they did grow, even if they did grow, like a church went this direction and all of a sudden it was big, does that necessarily mean that the Spirit of God is working in that church? And I would say that the Spirit of God is everywhere trying to touch people's hearts, but simultaneously leading people to falsehood and a life of bondage and shame. Um, Even if you grow in number, the kingdom of heaven is not growing and you're doing work for another spirit. So, yeah, it's really, really, really sad situation. It's sad to see. Another sad situation in Portugal here. We've got this text message that's just come in. Abuse of children in in the Catholic Church. Those thousands are actually millions, and the curse of God is upon them. Remember, the Catholic Church biblically has never been a Christian church. Not talking about the people, but the system, the text says. Nor am I saying that there are no Christians in the Catholic Church, for there are many beautiful Christians who worship God in the light that they have received. You know, another, Mm. uh, it's the same position that the Protestant Reformation has held for hundreds of years. And so I, I, when I hear a text message like that, it's strong words, but they are accurate. Mm. Another, some, here's some uh, strong words as well, too. Uh, weather balloons over the U.S. and China. Why don't they have a party instead? They have enough balloons. Mm. <laughs> I, love <that. laughs> I love that as well. So, uh, Danny, you texted in. Sorry, I think you got the answer wrong. Uh, but we've got an absolute doozy of a text, Lawson. Are you ready for this? I'm ready, bro. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. And the text reads, Surely there must be a single girl out there that's looking for a good man. How about Colin Lawson, after all? Isn't today <laughs> Valentine's Day? Your opportunity, ladies. Little winky face Oof. and some Oof. hearts and some smiles and prayer hands. They're really, uh, really now going. That's what I need. Live. Please pray for me. <laughs> pray. <laughs> pray for uh, we've got uh, Raphael. You got the answer correct. Don't want to release that uh, on the air. There, I've got. <laughs> Don't want to uh, leak. Do want to leak the info. I've got this like another, this is from a different Raphael. It's just <laughs> an emoji that is awesome. It's just, uh, uh, it looks like the Van Gogh face. I don't know if that's Van Gogh or not, but the one where the guy's just screaming with his hands on that's the side. That's not of, Van Gogh. That's not Van Gogh, is it? Yeah. It's just the it's that emoji where that guy has the two hands on his face and he's just screaming at the top of the top of his lungs. Mm. Uh, mm. So wild uh, wild times uh, there, Raphael. I really enjoy really enjoy uh, the emojis that are coming in. And oh oh, that makes more sense because he he gave us the information on the the answer to the quiz but i can't reveal the answer that's why i gave that face oh, that Ooh. oh sense now. i'm not going to reveal it i'm not going to reveal it wayne you sent in a beautiful question for the day and lyle is going to answer that on shell's show the shell show on 
Thursday, 5 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, Lyle, Pastor Lyle Southwell is going to be on answering your questions of the day. And Wayne, you've sent one in that's going to get answered, hopefully, at 5 p.m. I, I will give this one to Lyle. Uh, Shell just wants you to know there's a question here for Lyle on your show at 5 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Now, Lawson, are mm. you ready to dive into the Bible study? Of course. Okay. He's ready. He's ready, of folks. Of course. He's ready. Of course. Uh, we had a great time yesterday without you, so hopefully it can live up. The pain, the pain and suffering of that. Uh, that statement, <laughs> it hurts so much, Lawson. But I, but you know what? Nothing but love today for Valentine's Day. And I just want to say thank you, Lawson, for the love. A lot of are love. Saying, are you saying happy Valentine to me? Is that what this is? <laughs> I'm just saying there's a lot of love to be shared on a beautiful day like today. And the most loving person that I have ever met in my life is Jesus. Amen. And early in his public ministry, Jesus actually traveled to a little town in the region of Galilee called Nazareth, which is still a place that you can go visit. And actually, we went there in 2019 on a Bible lands tour trip. And there are people who live in a little village in Nazareth the same way that they would have lived 2,000 years ago. People come and they volunteer their time for six months to 12 months or even longer and they live without any technology. They live uh, and that sounds they amazing. They farm. They uh, raise their own food. They do. They create their own crafts and they serve food to the people who come there as well too. And you get to have an experience that would have been very similar to the experience of the people who lived during Jesus's time in Nazareth. And you can see the carpentry work that's being done with all hand tools. You can see there's a little place where they mash up all the grapes to make a little grape juice deliciousness. They have food that's being cooked in these huge ceramic ovens that are really delicious as well, too. It's an amazing experience. And so Mm. this is the town that Jesus traveled to in Nazareth. And it was his hometown as well, too. But the people, they'd heard of his work. They'd heard of the miracles. And as his custom was, Jesus attended Sabbath services in the synagogue. And so we read in Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 19. And can you read that for us, Lawson? Of course, in Luke chapter 16 and verse 19, where the Bible verse Luke chapter 4, 16 and 19. Sorry, it says, So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord." All right. Now, I do want to do a little deep dive here. Let's also read Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. because, And the reason this is important is because we read there in Luke chapter 4, Jesus, he's going into uh, the synagogue on the Sabbath as his custom was. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I just want to take a, a moment here while we turn to Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. The really interesting thing to me, I am a Christian and... Mm-hmm. 
I made a decision a long time ago to be a follower of Christ. Mm. Now, I don't do that perfectly all the time. I got to be honest, but I'm doing my best in, in my own broken way. I'm trying to follow God's will for my life. Mm. In this journey, I wanted to find out what day I should go to church. Mm. No. Mondays, I was like, no, Mondays are out. They're, that's a really hard day for me because, uh, <laughs> you know, Mondays. Uh, so I won't even talk about those. But uh, And then I was like, well, why not a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Friday? Or, you know, I thought about all the different days. And, and I was like, well, mm. you know, we'll just see what happens. And I made a rule in my little process and my little journey with Christianity to say anything that Jesus believes, anything that he teaches or speaks or anything that he does himself. So essentially his thoughts, his words, his actions, I would also follow as well too. Mm. And so as I'm reading through the Bible, I'm reading in Luke and I go, Oh, that's the day that Jesus went to church. Now, a lot of people go like, well, that's because he was Jewish and that's what's his custom. And that's what he Mm. did. Well, I mean, if that's, there's so many other talks and arguments and, different points you can say, but if that's the day that Jesus went to church, which is Saturday, the Sabbath, mm. and I call myself a Jesus follower or a Christian, then it stands to reason, at least logically from my perspective, that I should also go to church on Saturday, the Sabbath. And that yeah, was a, that was good. the first reason why I decided to go to church on Saturdays instead of Sundays. Because at first I was like, well, what does it matter? What day does it matter? I was like, well, I didn't understand, and I was studying a lot, trying to figure stuff out. This is about 15, 16 years ago for me. And one of the logical conclusions I came to, I was like, well, if it's good enough for Jesus to go to church on the Sabbath, the Saturday, well, then I will too. That makes sense. So anyway, that's just a little side point here. But do you have Isaiah 61 up? Mate, I, I got it here. You ready? Yeah. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Now, it's so interesting when it says the acceptable year of our Lord, which is why we say you know, 33 AD or 565 AD or, you know, 1844 AD because it's Anno Domini, which means year of our Lord. Mm-hmm. And so when the Bible is talking about this, the acceptable year of our Lord, the, the Lord that, or the year that the Messiah would come and be revealed. Now, most of the people actually believe that false concept or the idea that the Messiah's mission was to free Israel from all of its conquerors and oppressors, especially the Romans. But... In reality, Jesus stands up, he Mm. goes to church, as his custom was, on the Sabbath, and he's not the the rabbi, really, you know, he's not the preacher that day, but they give him the scroll, and he chooses this particular passage to read. And it's essentially him self-proclaiming his mission to that entire congregation, Mm. which is essentially going to be spread throughout the world from that point forward, and that story of what his actual mission is, is then shared with believers all around the world. And it's not to go and destroy the Roman army, but it's to set the captives free. It's to preach good tidings to the poor. It's to heal the brokenhearted. You know, it's to give 
hope to the hopeless, really, you know, and to free those who have been bound in prison, especially the prison of sin as well, too. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You're listening to Faith FM, The Breakfast Show, where we find out about how Lawson has been dealing with the burden of being so good-looking off-air. Uh, this yeah. is something he's been struggling <laughs> with for a long time. Yeah. Uh, it's it's He's so good-looking that he's actually so intimidating to people, which is why not a lot of people have been calling him today on this uh, Valentine's Day, which is <laughs> in Finland, Friendship Day. That's what they call it over here. Uh, I was talking to some Finns, and they were like, we don't actually call it Valentine's Day. This is Friendship Day. Uh, so, Lawson, how... Two, two questions. Because single. That's, that's why. <laughs> two questions. Number one, uh, how do you like seriously deal with the burden of being so good-looking? And then secondly, do you have the next quiz clue and final quiz clue? Yeah. Uh, firstly, the answer is deep reflection and prayer. Prayer and supplication? That's right, to get me through. Yeah, I'm praying a lot. God, make me more ugly. So... <laughs> No, no, no. That's not I'm not. Right. That's that's a lie. That's a lie. Sorry, guys. I I confess. I repent. And now I will share with you the quiz question. The final quiz question for today. The final quiz clue. Here we go. Who am I? God told me to sacrifice my son on Mount Moriah. Now, there's only one person who went through that. If you know who it is, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And, of course, you can win our may, our amazing prizes if you do, which is we have the book Letters from a Skeptic with Greg Boyd, Edward Boyd, son, father, letters going back and forth, debating, is God real? Can we know him? And then also we have Simply Put by Lauren Wade as well. So if you want these books, 0491-064-669, we'll give them to you for free. You just have to win the draw. And to win the draw, you just have to answer these clues correctly. And again, that clue was, God told me to sacrifice my son on Mount Moriah. If you don't win the quiz and you want to know what that book's about when it says, is God real? Is God real? I will just give you the answer. Yes. He is. Mm-hmm. So if you don't win the, the quiz prize this week, you now know what that book is about. So <laughs> moving forward, hmm. we have uh, the poor. We're talking about the poor here and how Jesus actually came to minister to the poor, to treat the poor in a hmm. much better way than the current worldview was when he came before. And when he had the opportunity to kind of announce his arrival, to inaugurate his ministry, the basically almost the, the coronation of his of his kingship and his the way that his kingdom was going to be run, which was very, very different. While everyone thought he was going to ride in as a conquering hero to mm. vanquish the terrible Romans who had uh, been oppressing the the children of Israel for many, many years, he actually makes a decision to read the prophecy that, no, no, I've actually come here to preach good tidings to the poor. And at that time, the poor were really looked down. Uh, everyone thought they were essentially you know, worse than tax collectors. Like, obviously, you were not 
good because you were not making money and therefore you were not worthwhile to society mm. because of their socioeconomic position, they were looked down upon, which was very, very common at that time. And it was thought also that poverty was a curse, you know? So they would look at people and they go, Oh, you know, that guy obviously is cursed by God because he's having to beg or he's, you know, not having a good life or bad things have happened to him because this is a punishment from God, which is such a incorrect perspective of God. Mm. Bad things happen to good people because we live in a sinful, broken world. And the number one thing that Satan likes to do is ruin your life and then make you blame God. Mm. That's like, that's satanic principles in action for millennia. That's what he does. Hey, Mm -hmm. let me completely destroy your existence. Let me destroy your life in any way possible. And then we're going to blame God for all the stuff that I've done. Isn't he a bad Mm -hmm. God? That's what, that's what Satan has done for many, many years. Right. And so with that mindset, Jesus was essentially coming to say, no, 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 no. That is the wrong mindset to have. And I've actually come to bring good tidings to the poor because I want to minister to them. And Mm. so, most people had zero concern for the poor and disregarded their existence completely. But Jesus loved the poor. Mm. And one of the greatest evidences of his Messiahship was his treatment of the poor in a very healthy, good way. And Jesus actually answers John the Baptist. Now, this is Matthew 11, verses 1 to 6. Lawson, can you read that for us? Matthew 11, verse 1 to 6. I have it right here in front of me. It says, Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in... Oh, wait, wait. wait. Am I in the right spot? Matthew 11, 1 to 6. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. yeah. In verse 2. Verse 2. It's John had heard on. in prison. And John had heard in prison the works of Christ. He sent two of his disciples. And he said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another one? Jesus answered and said, go tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the death, the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So it's interesting that when John is trying to discover, okay, is Jesus who I think he actually is? Is mm-hmm. Jesus the Messiah that I believe that he is? When I baptized him, you know, he came up out of the water. There was a dove, uh, a Holy Spirit symbolic dove over his head and a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, right? Mm-hmm. All of the that evidence, he kind of, his faith is wavering a little bit because he's facing a possible decapitation. Well, not possible. It's an appending decapitation. Mm. And he's very, very concerned for his well-being. Yes. Going, hey, is this, uh, is this the guy who I think he is? Because I'm really stressed out right now. And Jesus's answer is essentially, hey, let him know that the poor have the gospel preached to them, you know, mm. and all those things. And, and this is a fulfillment of the prophecy that John would have known like the back of his hand because he studied the scriptures all the time. There's a little quote here I want to read from a book called The Desire of Ages. I love this book. It's such an insight into the life of John the Baptist and the life of Jesus as well, too. It's, it's essentially a beautiful Bible commentary 
on the story of Jesus, the desire of ages. It's part of that five part uh, set for the conflict of the ages right here in the middle, probably the most important book, which is the story of Jesus uh, in this book called the desire of ages. And it says like the savior's disciples, John the Baptist did not understand the nature of Christ's kingdom, right? This is why he's asking the questions. He expected Jesus to take the throne of David. And as time passed, and the Savior made no claim to kingly authority, John became perplexed and troubled. He was like, is this the guy who I thought he actually was? But Jesus responds by telling him and reminding him of the prophecy of who the scriptures said that the Messiah would actually be. Mm. And so James one twenty seven says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. It's to reach out to the vulnerable, to treat the the cast asides of society, the ones who people mistreat and don't care about. And the gospel is caring for those people and loving those people. And this is how we should, as Christians, represent the kingdom of heaven by treating people with love and kindness and care and joy and encouraging them and building them up, not putting them down because of their socioeconomic position. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Lawson, I was a little perplexed when we were talking about the triplets. We were talking about this other woman. We were talking about, you know, things that are happening. But I actually think I've figured out who it is. Can I say who it is? Sure. Okay. Is it Abraham? No. Oh. Yeah, it is. I'm oh, just kidding. Okay. No, it is, it is Abraham. Of course, the quiz is trying to be as elusive as possible as to not give itself away. As of, course, of course, we know that famously Abraham was married to Sarah. We know that famously uh, he had the sons Ishmael and Isaac. One was to Hagar. One was to Sarah. And yeah, you have those stories going on. Now, the clues that it mentions here, he's married to Keturah and he has Zimram, Jokshan and Medan, who is actually to his wife, Keturah. That comes after Sarah dies. It's like so, a little tiny reference. Yeah, right, right at the end. The end of, his life. Yeah. of course, the, the son in which the line of Israel would come through would be Isaac. He was the son of the birthright. He was the son of promise. Uh, we know that Ishmael was also made into a great nation that exists even to this day, the Arabian people and the, the origin of, of Islam and whatnot comes from, from that line. But then in, in regard to Judaism uh, and the Israelites and whatnot, it came through Isaac and Jesus himself as well. But he went on to have three more kids to Keturah and like Sarah had died and he was quite old. Yet he's just pumping out kids still. Like he's in his, he's in his early hundreds, and by early I mean like one one twenty. He's just still, still, still getting it done. So he is uh, achieving great feats at that age. He's also called a f- friend of God. We know that because of the mistake that he made, uh, because of the decision to. Uh, take on a concubine in his marriage. He was the first person whom God commanded to perform circumcision as a sign. And finally, God told 
Abraham to sacrifice his son on Mount Moriah. And a lot of people look at that story and they say, wow, God is so awful. But the big question is, well, did Abraham sacrifice his son? And the answer is no. And we actually see that that story serves as an object lesson for Abraham as to what God would need to do in sacrificing Jesus and sacrificing himself. And Isaac is a type of Christ. That's right. That's right. Beautiful. Because he wasn't some like little kid that was overpowered. He was a youthful, strong individual who could have overpowered the old man Abraham anytime, but mm-hmm. willingly chose to go up to the altar of sacrifice uh, to lay down his life because his father asked for it to be done. Yeah, and we see in the story there, the Bible says that Abraham had purposed in his heart to end his life. He had lifted the knife up and ready to drive it through. And it's at that point where an angel comes and says, hey, stop. And by the way, that that angel from instruction of God, I've heard people try and say before, oh, that angel was disobeying God to stop, you know, to stop God doing a terrible thing or something. It's like the science fiction interpretation of the Bible. But essentially, no, God says, hey, now you understand. Now you get the outcome of the promise. The, the promise that I made to your people is to make you a great nation and that through you the whole world will be blessed. The means by which I'm going to do that is going to be through the sacrifice of my son so that all of the world can be saved. When people make those kind of comments about the interpretation of the Bible, I literally uh, just am reminded of my daughter's little comment that she says, ding dong, your opinion is wrong. <laughs> Uh, I've got a few text messages here. Uh, we might have to read right after the song that's coming up, but I've got one here that also says, uh, yes, a single people know that Valentine's day is a scam. And without the pure love of God, we wouldn't have a clue about real love. I love that text message. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much for sending that one in, uh, as well too. We've got another text message here from Freco here says only 10 things God gave us to live by. Why would the fourth commandment be any less than the seventh one? Remember this. Uh, remember the Sabbath is not forgetting. No, I think it actually, oh, I think what he's saying is why would the four commandments be any less than the seven other or the six other ones? Oh, I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm all confused actually here, but yes, that's true. Actually to remember the Sabbath is not forgetting. That is uh, a very good text message. Freco totally agree with that as well too. And we, uh, we live in a time uh, in Earth's history where that one seems to be forgotten, the very one that says to remember. Walk faith, live faith, act faith. You'll grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.